Welcome to the You, Me and the GP radio show, a health exercise and nutrition show for over 40s who want to get back to their best. Discover how to keep yourself fit, healthy and full of energy. Each week, your hosts Rich Clark and Dr. Mark Daniels will answer your questions and interview special guests. Rich Clark is an exercise scientist and nutritionist who helps over 40s thrive, not just survive in today's busy world. Dr. Mark Daniels is a practicing GP with 25 years experience. He's had notable success with his patients using simple dietary changes rather than medication to provide improvements. Living in Wales with their families, they see the effect poor health has on people on a daily basis and how easily it can be turned around. Sit back and enjoy our tips and advice. Hello and welcome to uh, the 54th episode of You, Me and the GP. How are you, GP? I'm good. How, how, how are you, trainer? I'm you. I'm, I'm you in the You, Me and the, the... Oh, no, I'm me in the in the You, Me and the GP. What am I on about? <laughs> yeah, I'm all good, Mark. Um, trying to keep myself entertained here, as people can see, trying to have fun with health and fitness because it is a boring old topic sometimes, Mark, isn't it? It can be, but I find it quite, I find it more interesting than sick people. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and yeah. Making people health, keeping people healthy than, than stuff that then actually curing them from their sickness, if you see what I mean. I oh yes, yes. Them from being sick. Uh, it's my job to try to make uh, some of this, or I feel like it's, it's important for us to try to make some of this stuff a bit more entertaining for people. Yeah, sure. Uh, if we can, uh, you know, uh, do that and uh, just takes the edge off it but uh, and plus when you've been doing something for 20 years and you've given the same answer to people over and over to you it can sometimes then start to get a little bit like cool oh. but if you have a laugh and a joke with it and you know have a bit of banter I, I think uh, well for me it uh, it helps uh, keep me sane keep me sane you can't take the piss out of your clients when they come into the GP surgery though like I come with my clients can you I do. <laughs> you do a good boy. <laughs> the but best doctors are the ones who are a bit more authentic like that, you know, they say it the way it is. The, the thing is, I think the messages are changing. I don't think we say the same thing 20, I did 20 years ago. I oh. think the messages are changing. I think we, we, we are trying to be more proactive. I think we are looking more into people's diet and lifestyle and stuff than we used to. We used to just be, you know, give out antibiotics for colds, not look to why people are, not for colds, we never used to go antibiotics for colds, but antibiotics for infections. Yes. But now we look at more why they get the infection rather than just giving the antibiotic for it. So I, th- I think things are changing. Yeah, of course they are. Of course they are. I just uh, wrote, wrote an article that's going up tomorrow now uh, about a, a chap called Dr. Brian Gibbons who called the, he was the Minister for Health and Social Care uh, like up till about 2010 or whatever. And he said that, um, it's a national illness service, but it needs to be a national health service. And I think that's pretty much what it's, it's going in that direction. And although it's been named the national health service, it's, it's not really been that, but it is now going in that direction because people are pushing it in that direction. And, and, and that's the way things are developing. So yeah, good. You were a fine example of, of, of that, you know, uh, Brian is GP in Wales, actually. He's a GP in Wales. Oh, you, yeah, he was a, a GP in Wales yeah. for many years. That's right, yeah. Is he a good guy, yeah? Yeah, good guy, yeah. Yeah, he said this, you know, National Illness Service in a major report, and he wrote that, and he put it out there. They were his thoughts, they were his feelings. So I, I admire him for, for saying that in a public forum, you know? Absolutely. So, so, okay. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, first question. First question. Morning, Rich. My wife wants to resume exercise after having treatment for breast cancer, chemo, mastectomy, reconstruction, and radiotherapy. She gets tired just climbing a flight of stairs at the moment. Is swimming for a few months the way to go? Question mark from Paul. And uh, he is uh, Twitter run, fat boy run. He just completed another uh, marathon, I think Paul has. Uh, he's very fit and active there. And, uh, so, Mark, uh, I know my answer. What do, what do you answer uh, for that as a doc? Do whatever you can do. I mean, anything. anything. I mean, you do need to do... You have to go a little bit slow because your, your body's recovering. But I think swimming's a very good way of exercising. There's no problem with that. Yeah. You can do anything, she can do anything she wants, really. Anything yeah. she feels she's able to, the more she can do... Build it up, but the more she can do, the better she'll feel. Yeah, I my advice would be uh, exactly uh, like Mark said, as in the theory of it. Do what you can uh, on whichever day. If you wake up one day and it's not happening that day, then obviously it's not happening. But if you feel good, do something. Swimming for me represents a challenge to the immune system because of the exposure you're going to get in your eyes and your mouth and all your kind of orifices for want of a better word mark um, so i think if your immune system is not great then the best exercise to start she's having trouble going up and down the stairs just walking, walking yeah yeah walking cycling if that would be on a stationary bike at home maybe a bit further down the road but that's like kind of my kind of thought process for that sort of keep them out of the pool yeah. for a minute don't be exposing yourself to all the nonsense that's in there um the, the throats and the sore throat uh the, the colds and the sore throats that people pick up from from the swimming pools and things but uh great that she wants to start exercising great that she's kind of coming around now hopefully on a, a, a comeback but literally activities of daily living paul so walking uh, climbing the stairs cooking uh, little bits of housework because obviously we want to get back to housework asap part you don't want to get away with that for too long te only teasing but that's that's my philosophy there but uh yeah okay you missed that question go one up did i yeah oh so, yeah question yeah i did thanks mark okay great so that's uh for you there paul all right so on the last episode we've done i had cardio are we finished? We've done, we've done three three questions on the last episode. I think I think we shortchanged. Yeah. yeah, we. Oh my god, look at the complaints are going flooding in. Okay, <laughs> so the next question. Hey, uh, this is from Zoe. Now it's cold and I'm lacking the motivation to go to the gym, but I want to be in good shape for the holidays. I think that means uh, Christmas, as I know I'm going to eat so much. Is there anything I can do at home to keep me in good shape? Or how can I get motivated to go to the gym more often? So it's a bit of a fluffy, vague question there, Zoe. Uh, home workouts, obviously. Uh, get a little bit of basic exercise equipment. A mixed set of dumbbells, like a, a, a two kilo, a four kilo, and a six kilo. And basically do an upper body exercise, a lower body exercise, and an abdominal exercise. And do a minute of each. And just do some stuff at home. Uh, get more, how can I get motivated more to go to the gym more often? Get more sleep. And just, you know, look at yourself in the mirror every morning, Zoe, okay? And just say, you are a tiger. You can do it. And then you'll be sorted. 
you know? No, just teasing. But what do you what do you think, Mark? Well, if you want to go to the gym more often, you've got to make it easy to go to the gym. So I would have your workout clothes in the in the where if you're going to walk to the gym, have the workout clothes by the side of your bed, so that you, they're there ready for when you get up in the morning, or have them in a bag in your car if you're going to do it after work. Because if they're not in your car and you're coming in from work, you ain't going to go to the gym. So get get everything organised the night before when you feel motivated. Um, the other thing at home, I mean, I've got a a, a pull up bar on the entrance to my study, and I do a pull up every time I go in and every time I go out. Nice. So I have, to, I have to do at least one. So, you know, it, it just keeps you, it keeps, a, and if, if I'm, I mean, I, I've done it when we've been sitting doing the podcast occasionally, just go over there, just do something, when, when you're boring, yeah, go over there, do that. Oh, well, that's fantastic <laughs> uh, strategy. Uh, I've heard they do that in like the Marines and stuff as well. Like they have a, this pull-up rule, as you say, you can't enter or leave the room yeah. without doing a, a pull-up. So, oh, yeah. that's fantastic. I like that. I really like it. I, I'm afraid if I put one up in my office, I might actually pull the house down. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah that's really good uh, advice uh, your stories of in the olden days a lot of doing the just muscle tensing like again mentioned Charles Atlas before but like Atlas used to do just tensing the muscles and you know on the spot and stuff and there's a lot you can do when you're doing nothing yeah I mean you, you drive a car you could do that pelvic floor exercises like, yeah, yeah it's hard to do yeah. that yeah, but Zoe really, um, you know, if you lack motivation in the winter, maybe that might be something to do with like serotonin and vitamin D and, and things like that, Mark. You know, people do lose a bit of drive, don't they, in uh, the winter months, and uh, it, it does correlate well with vitamin D. Yeah, it does, and then add a light as well. Yeah, yeah. get as light as you can. Yeah, so get to sleep earlier, get as much rest as you can, and maybe you'll, you'll have the energy. Because a lot of the time, people say motivation, they might mean energy, you know? Because that's what what stops me going to the gym. If I feel exhausted, I just don't feel like going. You know? Okay, anyway. Next question. Hi, Rich. I thought this was an interesting question for the podcast. This is from my buddy, Jamie. He's also a trainer. It's about a BBC article. It's based on the fact that white starchy foods such as potatoes, rice, and pasta have a spiking effect on the kind of the glucose spikes the insulin but they suggested that this effect can be halved by eating the food after letting it cool and then reheating it and this is something to do with the the reheated starches becoming resistant so anything mark about this the first thing, uh, first thing I thought... What's that? What, you, you looked at this, you, yeah? Yeah, I looked at this, yeah. I, the first thing I thought was, well, there's a the big difference between pasta and potatoes. I mean, pasta is, is slower to be absorbed anyway, all right? Potatoes are very quickly absorbed, and pasta is absorbed much later. It's a, it's a different um, uh, starch anyway. So, I mean, they, 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 they're comparing completely different things. And then I looked at the actual study, not study, they didn't even do a study. What they did is they took nine, as far as I can tell, they took nine people... Uh, and then got them to, to eat it after it had been reheated. Well, that's never going to be statistically significant. So I mean, I, no. it's it's not it's, it's sort of um, in, it's sort of not real science. I don't think to be no. perfect. No. So I there is some evidence that having starches cold is is actually um, better. You know, but the actual reheating them after they're cold, I don't think has been proven. It's just one um, sort yeah, of um, yeah, a TV program with nine volunteers doing it, 
I don't think that would stand up in the B and J or whatever. No, no, certainly not. But uh, as you say, this is sometimes where these things start is with a little bit of anecdotal evidence there. So. Uh, if they, for example, they, they went on to find out that this was the case, that you have a half of the uh, glucose uh, and insulin sort of effect from the carbohydrate by cooking it, letting it cool, and then reheating it when you want to, then yeah, it would be a good thing to do. Uh, no, but as you say, you still stick to rice and potatoes anyway as our main sources, and not, as you say, pasta. And uh, depends then if you're reheating it in the microwave and stuff. So you, you could go down to that sort of uh, level of detail. But again, it's probably going too far down the rabbit hole for a lot of people going to this level of, of detail. Exactly. Uh, they just need to get the carbohydrate control generally uh, in, in place. But uh, it's really interesting. And uh, if it does become uh, proven and uh, to sort of a solid research behind it, then for me, and for you, then it sort of mightn't be a bad strategy because having less of the negative effects from insulin. That's always good, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good, surely. So, okay, so thank you, Jamie, for that. Okay, next I'm doing a quick review of a product called Organo Gold Gourmet Black Coffee. Now, my buddy Ben from Manchester. Hey Ben. I know Ben's clients listen to the, the show. Hey guys. Ben has been uh, on to me to sort of have a look at this Organo Gold and he he is, is very much like me. He's not a Herbalife kind of guy and he's not sort of, you know, into all this sort of uh, multi-level marketing stuff. Which Organo Gold does have a structure of it, which is 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 the multi level marketing. So you do profit off it um, and, and when you sell it, sort of thing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But just speaking about the product, not the business side of it, Ben or anything like that, it's bloody delicious. The ingredients and the actual the quality of, of what's gone in it is fantastic. It's um, an alkaline, organic, toxin free coffee. So if you're drinking something like Nescafe or some rubbish or even the things that they sell in Costa and things like that, these are not organic coffees. Coffee is one of the biggest the, 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 the biggest sprayed crops in the world, guys. So organic coffee is a must, okay? So the, there is a figure, and I think it's, I don't know, it's five or ten pounds of chemicals are used per kind of coffee tree per year sort of thing, you know, and all that uh, stuff is, is filtering through to our system. So having a, a toxin-free coffee is really good. And then also having a coffee that's not acidic is also pretty good. So if you're going to have coffee, basically, this is a healthier option. So it's a healthy coffee. All right. Coffee in excess is not healthy. Uh, but to give it its dues, my wife loved it. It comes in these little sachets. If you're going out and about places, it's great. If you go places and people give you bad coffee, like, you know, my mum will never listen to this podcast, but my mum haven't got a clue about coffee. Tea. That's all she's ever drunk and stuff like that. You know, she's never drunk coffee. She doesn't know what it tastes like. She just buys the cheap rubbish. My wife goes over there and she's a bit of a coffee snob in in a little way. So she takes a little sachet over with her and she takes these sachets to her to work because she works in court and the coffee in a court is absolutely awful. Mark is the king of bad coffee, Mark. What do you think? Well, what's the king of bad 
coffee. You were the king of bad coffee. You 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 will drink any coffee. Yeah, I drink anything. Yeah, I'm terrible. I mean, it's, it's what, what as a doctor, it's partly your, uh, your your kind of birthright or whatever, is it? Well, I I I actually take in. Um, we've got a coffee making machine that I took into work, and we have uh, we have the um, co-op uh, organic coffee. That's, that's quite nice. That it's the free trade organic coffee. I, I I'm not that. Bad. I don't I don't eat the mellow bird, drink mellow birds or anything no. like. That. <laughs> <laughs> I won't touch um, anything that's decaffeinated because that's loads of chemicals on that stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, the decaffeinated has got even more chemicals than the caffeinated. That's right. So, so yeah, basically, uh, this stuff is pretty good, guys. And um, you know, for the the taste and the actual product, it's beautiful. So, if you can get your hands on it, it's expensive. It's like twenty quid for thirty sachets. So, compare it to twenty quid for thirty cups of coffee. Compared to Costa, not so bad, but compared to Nescafe, yeah, it's like really expensive. So, but we wouldn't drink Nescafe anyway, would we? Okay, right. Next and last for today. Hi, this is for you, Mark. I don't even remember having this one. Hi, Dr. Daniels. I'm hoping you can help. For the past two years, I have been having regular eye infections which result in puffy bags under the eyes and reddening and green mucus in the eyes. My GP seems to think I have an allergy which I tend to agree with but I'm having great difficulty establishing what the allergy is. I'm currently using Optochrome to ease the irritation but can't keep regularly using this in the way that I am. I think it may be something in my home environment as when I'm away from home, i.e. holidays or work, I don't get the eye problems. In addition to this, most mornings I get a sniffly nose, which is runny, and everyone comments on me having a cold, but by midday the sniffles, nose irritation goes away. I get that shit too, Rebecca. How can I establish what is causing the allergy, as it is environmental or food related? I'm hoping you can help, as the puffy bag, shadowy eyes are making me self-conscious and it's very irritated. Many thanks, Rebecca. Mark. Yeah, I mean... I, I take it from a diagnostic point of view. I, I wonder whether she hasn't actually got um, eye infections or allergies or anything, but maybe she's got something called blepharitis, which is a, I think we've talked about this before, maybe. It's a, um, it's basically a, a mild infection of the, um, the uh, hair follicles of the eyes. And it's, um, it's treated with uh, using either um, baby shampoo around the eye, eyes, uh, or you can use, um, bicarbonate soda and weak solution of that and do some eye, eye hygiene. So that may be what she's actually getting. It may be caused by an allergy because there are lots of things. Because blepharitis is associated with rosacea, ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel anxiety, gastritis, bad food, all sorts of stuff. So I think maybe she's getting blepharitis, which she should look that up on the internet because she might find that doing some, some simple eye hygiene may help her blepharitis, if it is blepharitis. Um, if, it's, if the actual infection tends to be around the actual not actually in the eye, but around the like this, where you get styes and stuff. That's that's where blepharitis comes, right? So that's probably what it maybe what it is. Um, you can treat it, and there is some evidence you can treat it with um, supplementation. It's with our good old friend omega three fatty acids to improve the eyelids oil glands. So it might be worth taking some um, omega threes to see if that helps the situation, as well as doing the eye hygiene. Um, as far as food allergies, I mean, she'd have, she'd have to be tested. Now the NHS doesn't do food testing for. Um, you know, loads of foods, but uh, our company does. So, if she wants to get in contact with Revolutionary Health, we could do food testing. But I would try the other stuff first. 
And also, the doctor really should have done the basic food allergy testing, and it expected her to say. The thing is, though, there is no basic food allergy testing in the NHS. You can do testing for milk and uh, that sort of stuff, but you can't do testing for you know all the all the things that could be causing allergy. So you, they have to do it like one at a time, or like. No, they can't even do that. It's, it's basically you've got very few. There's the, the, the standard RAS test, which basically does. Um, uh, house dust mite, grasses, pollens and stuff, which is almost next to useless. Or you can do some other tests you could do that basically, as you say, one at a time, it's like dairy. You could do you can do for um, cow's milk protein allergy, but, you know, they're, they're not easy tests to get hold of and they're, they're, not, they're not very well done on the NHS, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. So right. allergies then, it's, uh, under the NHS, you are pretty much like... <sighs> My my language is is is, use, is is useless. I'm thinking about saying you're like pissing in the wind, but I shouldn't say that, should I? What are you? What? If it's dermatology, it's not as different. If you've got a dermatological allergy, they're very good. They patch test you, and they're very good as long as you have a rough idea what it is, because you can't patch test for everything. But if you're a bloke who works in oils and you bring your oils in, they'll patch test you for it. So, so for dermatological things, for skin conditions, it's very good. But for general allergies, it's a very very. Um, Sort of, it's, it's uh, not obviously fairy tale. It's, it's a very sort of non-organized system. There is no um, easy way of getting allergy testing on the NHS. Okay. That's why people go outside the NHS for it. Yeah, and that's why you're doing what you're doing. Fantastic. Revolutionaryhealth.co.uk, but it will be in the show notes anyway, Rebecca. So. I'm swearing quite a lot. I can feel the swear words are welling up inside me for some reason at the moment. So um, uh, apologies to any of our religious uh, followers out there. But um, there we are. That's me. So that's it, Mark. We've done kind of five there because we missed one off on the last episode with a little review. So happy. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Fantastic. Just to put my normal request out there, guys, please, please uh, leave a review. It just takes a moment. It means so much uh, to our overall progress uh, with this little uh, podcast we're doing. And uh, hello to all of our followers in uh, Dubai again. Yeah, fantastic. So um, still waiting for the invite out to the palace. But um, until then, uh, we will see you all next time. Bye from me. And you, me and the GP radio show is intended for general information purposes and is not meant to diagnose, treat or cure any disease. It is not designed to provide specific advice and anyone with a medical problem should seek the advice from their own doctor. Please note, we accept absolutely no responsibility if you turn into a fitter, stronger, more energetic and all round better version of yourself. To get the show notes, just head on over to richard-clark.co.uk.